a mental health therapist and art therapist in Nashville, I work with a lot of artists and musicians and creatives, and it has strengthened my long-standing working theory that people who experience trauma and really difficult situations and also lean into art and music and use their imagination and creativity to cope can exhibit high levels of resiliency. Trauma is chaotic, scary, unordinary, and a lack of control. We feel powerless, confined, and stuck. But an instrument, a piece of paper, a journal, these are infinite spaces where we can control what is played, written, drawn, and creative. Creativity is a safe space to transcend and to create a different narrative for ourselves. I feel super lucky to live in Nashville among so much music. I love music, and it has always played a huge part in my life. I don't play an instrument, but I consider myself a glorified listener, and I'm always seeking out new music all the time, and it's always helped me really feel. I think it's fair to say many of us can pinpoint a musical artist, a song that we associate with a certain time in our life, or a song that just got us through. It's been a highlight of my career to have clients play and share their music with me in our therapy sessions. And I get to learn firsthand about how their songs reflect the therapeutic work that we are doing together. And I want to share this experience with you, which is how Mind of a Song came to be. Major caveat, my guests are not my therapeutic clients, but they are incredible humans willing to open up and share about their own mental health. My guest today is McKenna Hartland, and she is a singer-songwriter here in Nashville. When I heard her song, The Apple, I had to know more. McKenna's song speaks to the idea of unaddressed intergenerational trauma and its effects. What happens when we don't want to share the characteristics of our family and our parents, when we want to fall farther from the tree and that burden of healing falls on us? Please welcome McKenna Hartland singing The Apple. Come from a blue collar man. He's red from drinking and shouting at sports on the TV. He married a blue-eyed woman who spent her life thinking and staying him was the right thing the apple doesn't pick its tree when roots run in misery like mine and here I go repeating history but I don't want this for me in my life so I guess it's up to me how far I fall from this tree so this cycle of misery could finally end with me I fell for a blues musician he stayed with me for years Lived deep down inside himself His moods always kept me guessing What kept me there was fear Now I know how my mother felt The apple doesn't pick its tree When roots run in misery like mine And here I go repeating history But I don't want this for me in my life So I guess it's up to me How far I fall from this tree So this of misery could finally end with me They say blood runs thicker Makes you sweeter, just bitter You can let their mistakes 
takes turn you call But when my future child looks at me I'll show them how love should be A better story than I was told The apple doesn't pick its tree When roots run in misery like mine And there I was repeating history But I didn't want that for me in my life Oh, it was always up to me How far I fell from that tree And that cycle of misery Finally Okay, wow, McKenna, that was incredible. Um, Thank you. Although I'm like not surprised. And I know I talked um, earlier about like the first time that I heard that song mm -hmm. and I just like personally wept. Oh my gosh. Um, mainly because I like, I am literally so interested in going through line by line, like every, every part of the song. But I also know that mm. like if we zoom out, there is, it is just such a beautiful picture of trauma or mm -hmm. like what I consider to be trauma which is obviously super relative yeah but I am interested in kind of opening up to you to share a little bit about mm -hmm. what that song like is a reflection of in terms of your personal story yeah um so one let's mm -hmm. just like how do you feel about being here right now in this space I'm excited I I have I feel like this is not a song that I expected a lot of people to respond to and mm -hmm. When I play it out, I always get someone that would say, wow, like that song. And they would point it out and say like they felt it so, they felt it resonate with them so hard. And like that means to me that I I want more people to hear it and I want to, um, I want to speak more about it. And um, yeah, it's cool because I just never expected that the more personal and the more detailed would be the most universal. But that's really true about songwriting. Is yeah, is it like one of the f favorite songs that you've written before, or like I think so. Okay. And why? Yeah. Um, it it just kind of came pretty pretty effortlessly. It I had the the first the idea of the the blue collar man and the red from drinking like that that color contrast kind of came to me first and then it just like I don't even remember when I wrote it like thinking about the melody in the way that some songs I think about it <laughs> like it just came very easily and those are like when I have that feeling of like it's very easy to write I feel like it's a good song yeah and um so that's like an intuitive feeling yeah that, like if yeah. It, it's almost like yeah it just kind of comes out of you mm-hmm yeah yeah so McKenna, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and mm -hmm. like what music looks like for you. Like one of your earliest memories maybe of like music. Yeah, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago mm -hmm. and I didn't grow up in a musical family. Mm -hmm. um, I I think my first introduction to like songs I remember loving, like I was young as like two or three and I was listening to like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and like yeah. <laughs> like Disney movies as a yeah. kid. I, I think I could always carry a tune and mm -hmm. I, I would always try to sing along. Mm -hmm. And I just always had this this natural like tendency for singing and performing for people. And like I would, I would go to grocery stores and be like, I want to stand on the counter and like sing for yeah. everyone. Yeah. And... Um, did your family enjoy like watching you and yeah, yeah yeah so even though like no one was musical I I just kind of grew up with a good voice yeah and then by the time I was in high school I picked up guitar mm -hmm. and taught myself 
keys and guitar kind of at the same time and um was there a teacher that like introduced especially like not coming from a family that was like musically inclined no there was no one I didn't really have a musical mentor Hmm. um for a long time but as like teenagers we were just like learning four chord songs and um so you're self-taught I was initially yeah Yeah. like I've had people help me along the way for sure sure. but I was self-taught and um I was kind of just determined like I wanted I wanted to be a superstar at the time like as a kid I was like I'm gonna be famous yeah that's like an early like one uh, an early feeling that you felt yeah Yeah. (laughs) like I'm not even lying like I just I I had I was so naive and and dreamy about it all and I was like I have this voice and I want to sing and Mm -hmm. um I just taught myself instruments and by the time I graduated high school, I was like, I'm going to be a musician. Yeah. And uh, it's been a long, bumpy road since then. Yeah, so it's never been anything different for you? No. Yeah, that's like something that like there's no, that is so mm-hmm. solid for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Thanks. Talk to me a little bit about growing up in your home. So kind of mm-hmm. bringing in some of the lyrics of the apple yeah. and thinking about, so when I think about kind of the metaphor, the phrase of like mm-hmm. the apple when typically when we say like the apple doesn't far from the tree, fall mm-hmm. far fall far from the tree, mm-hmm. we're essentially saying that like someone is has the characteristics of their family or someone has similar traits to their parents. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit curious, like more similar to your mom, your dad or both? Man. Mm-hmm. I think I have traits of both. Okay. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely like my mom in certain ways and um in what ways? I think she's very like self-sacrificing and sh- like she definitely goes above and beyond for for people and she she has a tendency to kind of neglect herself mm. and so sort of um, like overhelp or people yeah, please. Yeah, she's she's definitely a helper and mm. um I I think I I internalized that it's along the way and have had to balance that out in myself. Um, yeah, so like the the kind of double-edged sword of that is like that is such a beautiful attribute about someone. Yeah, like it, it makes her, everyone loves her because of that. Yeah, like and it helps build relationships. It makes people feel connected or to really like you. Mm-hmm. The downside to that is if it's like boundaryless and yeah. it's like always give, 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 mm-hmm. then ultimately there's that feeling of like either feeling depleted or resentful, mm-hmm. right? If things like relationships aren't balanced. Yeah. So you have to be like super, I'm always like encouraging clients to be really protective over that part of you. Yeah. If you tend to kind of yeah. lean more towards giving or being the giver, what can I do? Mm-hmm. A lot of times with clients that I work with, it's like nurses or yeah. doctors or people whose like role in life, literally by definition, the work that they do is to yeah. give or help. Mm-hmm. It can be really hard to navigate like the boundary around how to turn that off because it's just like what you're so used to. Totally. Mm-hmm. That would be really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So... I, I've noticed that usually when it comes to romantic relationships along the way, that mm-hmm. that trait kind of came up. Mm-hmm. Um, any um, like reflections on that? Like any memories you have of like in relationships sort of mm-hmm. doing too much or doing more than you should or doing anything for like the other person? Yeah, I think I think in a really unconscious way, I noticed like along the way that I would take on like their habits or their ways of thinking or um, just I wouldn't I wouldn't stand up for like what I wanted to do or what I thought like I would always like assume that they were right or sort of or, conform to yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I was very like malleable in that way impressionable yeah mm-hmm. and um, I think it was just because I lacked like a, a trust in myself and mm-hmm. I just like would yield to other people Mm -hmm. and um like negative or positive yeah 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 Mm -hmm. and um I I hope I think I've gotten better about that throughout the years because you know over time that can be really destructive and um it'll drive you crazy one of the things that I appreciate so much about the apple is McKenna this idea that like it's ongoing that like that's Mm -hmm. something that you continue to work on it's not over it mm-hmm. may never be over. Yeah. And the idea is that when we experience intense trauma or like relationship trauma, mm-hmm. it will always arise in different ways. 
in yes. other relationships and it may never be over right yeah. that like with those sort of comes with different waves and things come up the idea is mm-hmm. like to continue to work on it and to be insightful and to be able to sort of like communicate and kind of navigate it but like yeah this idea that like the expectation for yourself is that you have to be kind and just sort of like mm-hmm. work on it little by little yeah it's yeah. I, I heard something before that like you want to be with someone that you feel safe enough to be triggered by like mm. and like that you know you'll you can work on it but yeah. it's even worse when you know you're with someone that triggers you and like anytime there is a problem all hell breaks loose mm-hmm. so it yeah I, that that is definitely an ongoing thing yeah and uh, you just hope that the people around you will be there with you and work with you through it. Yeah. And uh, tell me a little bit about growing up in terms mm-hmm. of what that looked like in your family. Yeah, my my mom and dad always had like a tumultuous, very volatile relationship. And from the time I was really little, it was always like the threat of divorce would come up and then it would disappear. Like they would always go back and forth, back and forth. And um, that was literally something that you heard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of like triangulation and like my dad would try to like use us to control my mom. And mm-hmm. like they were both trying to like turn us against the other. Mm-hmm. And it was like very confusing <laughs> to yeah. grow up with like, like, what is going on? Like, yeah. and just being around that kind of volatility all mm-hmm. the time, I think you know, it does affect you and the way that you think about communication and mm-hmm. and the way that you think about love and relationships, mm-hmm. um, that's just your experience. So your, your like view of the world is clouded. Yeah, and it's like what you know, or it's like that first experience that you have, mm-hmm. or those like primary caregivers and how they communicate with each other, mm-hmm. express love to one another. Yeah. You said the word confusion and yeah. confusing, which is like, yeah so spot on in terms of like when you think of a child Mm -hmm. experiencing that yeah because I imagine you go to school and Mm -hmm. you have friendly relationships with your friends and your teachers and they're kind and calm Mm -hmm. and accepting and very very different than when you go home and it's chaotic and loud and this Mm -hmm. threat of like not being together and yeah for a child exactly what you said that's very confusing yeah it's Mm -hmm. like Whenever they, like my mom and dad, would get in a, a bad fight, my dad would be, like, really nice to me and my brother. Mm. Like, the, the meaner he was to my mom, like, the nicer he was to us because he wanted to make himself look like the good guy. Mm-hmm. And then... That's like, the triangulation you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, So the dynamics of you and your siblings, your mom mm-hmm. and your dad, mm-hmm. and depending on which behavior changed or something that happened, each mm-hmm. one might act differently towards the other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so, it's just a constant shift. Yeah, constantly. Nothing's stable nothing's, or consistent. No. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't a, a feeling. That, and I still don't don't know how to, like trust that things can be stable mm-hmm. even when they are because mm-hmm. I think I just have that default setting of things are not stable and nothing is permanent yeah um, so it's like you got used to you got to roll with punches and you got to like be able to handle whatever vibe is around you mm-hmm. at any time yeah so like you're surviving yeah yeah. yeah. What like describe or if you can take me into like what mm-hmm. a typical like memory of being that young and your parents fighting and mm-hmm. substances involved. I mean, in your sometimes. Song, yeah. yeah. You talk about like yeah. your dad's face. And I, from yeah. my perspective, I took that to be sort of perhaps drinking or substances. Yeah. Drinking yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he would do crazy things when he would drink sometimes. Mm-hmm. And did you know that he was drinking when you were little? I did. I did. How did you know? Um, my mom would, she was honest about it. Mm-hmm. Like she, she didn't like it. She, my mom never drank, mm-hmm. but um, she would always, like I would see like beer around. Like I actually, the Spotify uh, video mm-hmm. of the apple is my third birthday. And like there's my cake in front of of me and then there's like a can of old style beer next yeah. to me mm-hmm. like it's so 1996 yeah. like 
Um, is that like a when you kind of watch that clip or just mm-hmm. that's such a great, I don't know if it's a like metaphor <laughs> reflection of like that it's, time? Yeah. Like yeah. the beer's there. Yeah. But it's it, this happy time celebratory, but like it's yeah. always there in the background or just like, yeah. A little, yeah. Yeah. It did affect things like um, there would be just times when he would like start. He was a very like aggressive person. Like he would start fights with people, and um, there was like an altercation at like a stop sign one time. That like if someone like went before him, there would be like outbursts. Like he was just very, um, very outwardly expressive mm-hmm. and like scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes like as things as I got older and like as I reached my preteen years Mm -hmm. like that was when like the volatility that I saw like between them like kind of also got turned on me Mm -hmm. and because I think I was growing up to be like a young woman I guess Mm -hmm. like I was part of that that picture of like you know the volatility was being directed at me in in what way like just screaming and criticism constantly like if I ever like especially like if I sang too loud in the house that was always like Mm -hmm. there would be outbursts about that like Mm -hmm. just small things like if you left something on the counter like screaming and I like I would always like I've kept a journal since I was really little and like I would go upstairs and just like journal and like document my day Mm -hmm. and um yeah, I would just like retreat into this this alone sort of mode and try and regulate the feelings that I was going through cuz you know, just the the constant screaming and and chaos was just more than I could handle at times and like so you're sort of offering this idea McKenna that like as you kind of transitioned into like teenager years or mm-hmm. just like becoming your own woman. Mhm the abuse sort of started to be more directed towards you. Yeah. Not that, and it may have been directed towards you when you were little, but mm-hmm. if anything, the way you were sort of internalizing it was yeah. almost as, did it feel as if like your dad was sort of projecting his relationship towards your mom on you? I thought about that throughout the years, and I think it's like a an issue with women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. as I become not a little kid anymore, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, suddenly I'm part of that demographic mm-hmm. that... Um, that you that he doesn't know how to navigate doesn't know how to navigate to. and doesn't yeah. know like and has just a lot of repressed anger towards mm-hmm. so i just feel i felt like it just amplified at that point yeah so that makes sense that it started to amplify once mm-hmm. you became more of an adult yeah when we're children it's like we can get distracted by things or there's ways in which perhaps yeah where it's not as a as much of a trigger for someone Mm -hmm. also like in childhood it's like you have your own stuff going on you know we talk about how trauma you know two people can experience the same traumatic event and it may Mm -hmm. register for trauma as one person for one person and not even register yeah as trauma for someone else and Mm -hmm. different things that we look like that we look at is like the age in which the trauma happened Mm -hmm. so it's interesting to think about like childhood and siblings so especially when we are children right like Mm -hmm. we're you know, our developmental awareness of like what trauma is or like what abuse is, what Mm -hmm. drinking is, Mm -hmm. it's pretty limited. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that we don't absorb the loud noises, the arguments, the behavior that we see, Mm -hmm. but in terms of how it might directly affect us is just a little bit different. Totally. Uh, Then as we get older and we go to other people's houses or see other, the way in which other couples interact, we're like, oh wait, that's that's like that's different. That's that's like it's yeah. kind of what we know for so long. Totally right. Like but I still has to, an impact, and we absorb all the feelings, the emotions, the chaos. But mm-hmm. the way in which we're able to express it or articulate it is different. Yes. What we do when we're younger, it is like we're in survival mode. Mm-hmm. Right. So what we do when we're younger is very like um, adaptive. Mm-hmm. When you talk about like I had my journal and I could just go in my room and close the door and sort of like get into my space like mm-hmm. that's when we talk about like this podcast like that is how art and mm-hmm. music allow for this beautiful like safe intimate space that is infinity. Yes. And you have the control. I loved when you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Like was- you can choose to write for as long as you want. You can close up the book. You can put it in the drawer. It's giving you this sense of 
control totally that outside the door of your bedroom you do not get yeah it was like a freedom mm. like that every everything that you're thinking and that you're feeling can be expressed and it, it on a page in paper like and there's no one to say that's wrong you shouldn't feel that way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah there's no one to really judge it especially okay. if it's not shared yeah and uh that that definitely helped i've always felt you know this angst <laughs> inside yeah. that I think drives me to keep writing and and singing and do you think that angst McKenna is like harnessed in your experience with your parents I think so mm -hmm. I think I I was just born with like angst yeah <laughs> like about about life in general like I, things have always affected me really deeply yeah. and um yeah I'm sure that that had to do with it and I don't even I didn't know at the time how extreme it was, mm -hmm. and I still kind of don't. Like sometimes things still throw me off. Of like, you'll hear something, and, or you'll t you'll tell a story casually, and people are like, "Uh, are you all right?" Yeah. And I, it's like you didn't think it was that bad, and huh. it's like you're holding back because you think like, "Oh, other people had it way worse." So like, I don't want to dramatize mm -hmm. the fact that you know things were not great all the time yeah but like as you share your story with other people and as you sort of like now you are like adapting to your own life as an adult woman with yeah all the control uh -huh. financial independence yeah. living in a city that's far from your family or yeah. you can pick and choose when you want to visit them mm -hmm. and you have control over your time yeah yeah like this is <laughs> the space where you're learning to grow and in a way mm -hmm. reparent yourself Totally. But you make a good point. It's like sometimes we don't even know that the things that we experienced were considered to be different or, yeah. or bad or traumatic or, you know, we hear other people, we kind of base it on their reactions. And sometimes that can make us feel really like shameful or sort of bad about yes. ourselves. Yeah. I yeah. think there's there's a lot of, of shame mm -hmm. attached to those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And also just like wanting to censor what the experience was like and like depending on how you feel the other person would react to it like mm -hmm. I I tend to like spark notes some some stories mm -hmm. and like just explain um just kind of what my general background is depending on like who I'm talking to mm -hmm. um why do you want to hold parts of that back McKenna based on uh, what I'm hearing you say is like because sometimes their mm -hmm. reaction makes me uncomfortable yeah I I don't want to make other people uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's something that is always in the back of my mind. What if you make and them uncomfortable? Yeah, I need to be more comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. I do it in music. Like I write songs that can be inflammatory mm -hmm. in some ways. So why does it feel safe through a song? It just creates this like own little entity, mm -hmm. and it it's not. It can be it can be performed in a way that's like, this isn't real time, this isn't happening right now, this isn't a real conversation. And um, it's like a container. It's a container yeah. for those those statements and those feelings. Mm -hmm. But when you're just talking to someone and um, you you don't wanna you don't wanna make them uncomfortable, yeah. you can kind of just minimize it in a way mm -hmm. or um, yeah, you, if you feel like they had it worse too, you don't want to mm. complain mm -hmm. or feel like, yeah, like this idea of like comparing and contrasting, yeah, like yeah. trauma yeah. in a way, or like an experience, something that's really difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. I totally like. I think many people talk about how like obviously when we express or like tell someone something that happened to us that is uncomfortable or something we endured that was really terrible that might it's it's almost like we're okay with it in the sense of like we lived it like we've gotten to the point where mm -hmm. we, we can talk about it but it's in fear of like how the other person might react or yeah. how I might make them feel mm -hmm. that can hold us back from sharing that I know now, being mindful yeah. of like we want to share the right things with the right people at yeah. the right time in the right way that yep. like that's you know <laughs> yeah. ideal um but I encourage you to share that part of yourself because sometimes you have to think like okay w so I make someone uncomfortable and mm -hmm. And then what? And then what? And then it's on them to to respond in the way that they do. Yeah. Like, and often <laughs> it's like their response is an indicator to us if that is someone that I want to spend my time with. Yeah. Or is that someone that like I can find safety in mm -hmm. to really open up? Yeah. 
to. Because chances are, I mean, the idea is that something down the line, horrible, terrible doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But if it were, wow, I know that this person's here for me. A hundred percent. And can hold that space for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's great to find people like that, Mm -hmm. that that really get it and are just compassionate and Mm -hmm. they're not going to judge the way that you feel about it. Um, You know, you can get in your head like, maybe I'm dramatic about all this. Maybe Mm -hmm. I am not justified in feeling like it was horrible. Hmm. I think that's like maybe some, it's me. Yeah. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's I think something that makes me maybe censor the extremity of it mm-hmm. is like maybe this is just my interpretation of it. Maybe it wasn't mm. that bad. But then me and my brother talk about this a lot because mm-hmm. you know we had a we had different experiences which I can explain more about but yeah like tell me bring me into that a little bit so like that's kind of what i was talking like depending on how old you are when something happens Mm -hmm. can drastically affect the way in which it affects you and your perception over it yeah meaning like when we're younger yes we always like zero one two three even in utero we know that we can like absorb the stress of the mother yeah that's crazy which is wild right yeah but it makes sense because like babies are you know we don't come out of the womb speaking a language Mm -hmm. we don't come out of the womb speaking chinese or english or a foreign language we roll around and we cry when we're hungry and we get our needs met Mm -hmm. we like you're here i'm here right but like we all survived and that's how when we think about music or art or these expressive ways of communicating Mm -hmm. we don't really have to worry about the words like Mm -hmm. we can and of course songwriting is helpful for that to like actually place the words and tell the story Mm -hmm. but what we know is that like we can survive like we made it we can all survive and like (laughs) roll around on the ground and touch and feel and use our senses as a way Mm -hmm. to absorb the world the world around us and communicate as well so when mm-hmm. we're zero, one, two, three, usually like if we're experiencing trauma in the home, we absorb the emotions of it and like the high pitch noises and we can mm-hmm. f- actually in- internalize the tenseness of the home and people's emotions and feelings while it's happening. Yeah. But because we're so little, we don't necessarily have the words to describe how it's making us feel. Yeah. yeah. If we're in the same home and we are 10, 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. our developmental awareness is we know the language for like, or what is hitting and kicking and yelling. Our bedtime's probably later. So maybe we're exposed to the trauma more. Mm -hmm. Having that different Mm -hmm. perspective with a sibling is so interesting because the way in which it registers or how you reflect on it can be very different. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we had very different takes on it. We're almost five years apart. So, Mm -hmm. and like after, when the final- Are you older? Is he younger? I'm I'm older. And, um, you know, we talk to each other about it and be like, remember this and remember that. And like, was that really that crazy? Mm -hmm. And like, did you feel, do you still think about that? And it's it's super validating to talk to him because like he- Are there things he remembers that you literally don't and vice versa? Um, There's things that I wasn't around for that he will tell me and I'll be like, oh my gosh. Like, cause he, like when my my mom and dad finally got divorced, I was 14, Mm -hmm. he was nine and um, I, that was when like the absence kind of in the distance from my dad kind of started and for you for me but he kind of latched onto my brother and would would pick him up from school every day and they would just like hang out and like drive around town every day like buddies mm. and so my brother was How did like that make you feel um I I think I just internalized like oh like I wasn't something drove him away from me and that something I did was not good enough. Mm. And um, so this idea of like, he doesn't, well, he's not spending quality time with me or he doesn't desire to get close to me. Yeah, yeah. So there must be something wrong with me. Yeah, I must have done something or I must be just like, I must conjure negative feelings up Mm -hmm. in him in some way. And And it's like that, we go back to that like critical part of yourself. Yeah. It's like such a great example of like normal reaction to abnormal event. Yeah. Right? That like, normal for you to think that it's something that you did directly Mm -hmm. indirectly but what we would know is that it has to do with what you pinpointed before which Mm -hmm. is there must be something triggering or unresolved work that he has not done around women and his Mm -hmm. relationship with women yeah and what it means to be kind and respectful and communicate with women yeah he actually got kicked out of uh couples therapy because like my him and my mom yeah got 
like they tried yeah. to fix it and they mm-hmm. went to a therapist one time and the therapist was a woman uh-huh. at the time and yeah. she told my mom that he can't come back wow so yeah okay. <laughs> yeah that's, that's yeah that's a like great reflection of like a, yeah a lot of like the a lot of women like mm-hmm. just very negative talk around that mm-hmm. and um like just anyone anyone neighbors mm-hmm. some woman waitress that like yeah. anyone he would just you know he had like just belittle this, disrespect yeah disrespect make fun assert, of like dominance yeah, yeah yeah like and um mm-hmm. i'm sure that that's a theme and an underlying reason of why he just like couldn't handle me growing up yeah and so by the time i was 14 it was just like bye mm-hmm. and then him and my brother were like best buds Mm. which really was just like this codependent nightmare where my dad was using this little boy Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. to be his but his best friend sidekick and um like sort of influencing him yeah Yeah. and he's like um I, i i recently talked to mikey my brother about it and He's like, yeah, dad always told me, like, don't ever get married. Women are horrible and, like, women are crazy Mm -hmm. and, you know, in more disgusting and vulgar words words than that. But, like, um, yeah, the the deeply uh, held anger towards women was a driving factor for sure. Any thoughts, like, on, and I don't know, like, maternally you're thinking about Mm -hmm. your paternal grandmother his relationship with his parents Mm -hmm. it may not be something that you know but like any thoughts around like his relationship with his own mother or yeah mm -hmm. I definitely feel like there is a deep Mm -hmm. a a deep anger and resentment there Mm -hmm. that I think is being taken out you know again the apple it just repeats you know Uh, he he took that out on my mom Mm -hmm. and then onto me and then you know I end up in these volatile and bad relationships and yeah. I that was when I just I think that's with yeah. the Apple McKenna that like registers so much for me and the work that I do with my clients mm-hmm. that like you were in such good company I mean because I specialize in trauma mm-hmm. I'm always trying to shift the narrative for clients like that yeah. is the work that we're trying to do and it is yeah. always intergenerational uh-huh. and I'm always being so mindful around as I like kind of bring yeah. it back to this idea that like you have to be so kind to yourself and like so um, open to the idea that it's ongoing. It's like ongoing work mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when something is intergenerational, meaning it started way before you were even born. Yeah. Right. And it's not your responsibility to fix it, mm-hmm. but the idea that you feel like you can or that you want to put the motivation into changing that narrative, as you mentioned mm-hmm. in your song, like for your daughter. Yeah. It's really yeah. beautiful. Thank you. Because a lot of people don't want to do that work or find it like so overwhelming or so complicated or so it is. they don't even know where to start. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's you have to choose better. Mm. Even when the the bad situation that you're in feels like that's all there is and that's all it'll ever be mm-hmm. like it is possible to make yourself leave mm-hmm. and and throw yourself into the unknown and it might get worse from that point and it might get <laughs> it might get better but like you have to change something cuz that's your only chance yes and when you get to that age like um where you realize no one is coming to save you. No one's going to force you to have a better life. Mm. Like, What was that moment for you? I think it was was when I wrote The Apple. I'm like, it is up to me. I like No one is going to come knock on my door and be like, you have to leave. And no one is going to, no one's going to care if mm. I just stay in this position forever. And I think maybe I had like this magical sort of dream in my head that, you know, I'm going to grow up and be happy and have someone that's just perfect for me. And And loving and unconditional and safe. And you have that sort of fantastical dream in your head, but you're Mm -hmm. like, that's not going to happen if you just keep choosing the same life and going through the same patterns, hitting the same walls. Like it's it's, exhausting. It is. It is exhausting. And um, I think also this it's this piece and people talk about this who've experienced a lot of relationship trauma, relational trauma or mm-hmm. like family trauma is this idea that like there is something like the chaos is comfortable. 
It is. That like at a certain point in the relationship, it may start different, but mm-hmm. it kind of all roads lead to this spot where if I don't shift this narrative for myself, it's kind of the same person, mm-hmm. different relationship, but same things that sort of pop up in this chaos that I find myself in, whether it's abuse from my partner or neglect, or you sort mm-hmm. of touch on it in your song is like, what is it like to be with a partner that like lives deep down in themselves? Yeah. This emotional distance. Totally. Sort of this idea that like, I, you know, it's, the chaos is comfortable because I keep doing it over and over, which is a wild thought because mm-hmm. in your mind, you're like, why wouldn't I choose things that are only healthy for me? Or that like, I, I can read it in a book, what mm-hmm. aspects of a healthy relationship are. Yeah. But I tend to be drawn to these more chaotic relationships mm-hmm. because there's some, it's like all I know. Yeah, it is. And you almost, you feel like it's not love or it's not intense enough or it's not potent enough mm. um, if there isn't some sort of struggle attached to it. Yeah. And I just... Which mirrors <laughs> the relationship of your parents. Yes, right? totally. Like it's that, like, the love that they had was like intense mm-hmm. and physical and yeah. high, high highs and low, yeah. low lows. Yeah, yeah. It's, and <laughs> with them, I don't think there was even very high highs that mm. I experienced, but... Mm-hmm. Um, when I say high highs, I think I yeah. mean more of like the both negative but Mm -hmm. loud noise physical abuse the like turning up oh yeah or turning down which is like not talking at all or completely emotionally distant or completely shut off yeah Yeah. that definitely makes sense Mm -hmm. um and after a while i i don't there was no in in that relationship that i was in at the time there was no dramatic moment that was like okay it's over now like it it was almost like a slow fade out and um it was but i i had to make i made big moves to create distance and start moving in a direction of getting away from it because like the first step the first step was (laughs) moving out Mm -hmm. um and not not living together and like i i really do hold like a there's definitely a place in my heart for the, for that that guy and we like he definitely had a hard life too and mm-hmm. so we we helped each other and like had a lot in common in a lot of ways but like not good as yeah. romantic partners and like we kind of refer to that yeah. as like a trauma bond yeah totally this and we went through weird and intense stuff like as musicians together cool. um so it was definitely a trauma bond yeah. i think and why like we, it was so hard for us to let go of each other mm-hmm. even though it was a lot of the times very bad but like yeah and like yeah. trauma bonds can look like different things but it's kind of this idea of like when we experience a similar experience, especially when it's something traumatic or something mm-hmm. really difficult or negative, mm-hmm. it makes us feel seen. Yes. And it does mm-hmm. make us feel validated. And it's as if this person really sees who I am or really gets these parts of me. Yeah. The yeah. downside is when it's only that and mm-hmm. we're sort of connecting on these, like, I say, like lower parts of ourself, not mm-hmm. in the sense of like trauma can create resilience and mm-hmm. these higher forms of ourself but if it's more negative than positive or these deeper parts where it's mm-hmm. substance use or codependency or trauma mm-hmm. we always want to connect with our partner on those like higher parts of ourselves which are like yeah. working towards something goal setting you yeah. know love kindness respect like mm-hmm. these yeah. ways in which we're like working towards a more positive place so tell me a little bit about like the resilient part of you like what are mm. what makes you resilient what makes you step out of that what makes you yeah. know that you can have more deserve more and it's like the like, yeah I the resilient part is like you even when life is not confirming to you that that voice is gonna be con- like is, isn't gonna be rewarded in some way mm-hmm. like when you're not getting that instant gratification and that instant feeling of freedom like I feel like holding on to that and really trusting that more than the feeling of fear and keeping you in a situation that you know isn't right mm-hmm. um, is what over time will change your life. And yeah. even if it's small steps, like if it's if it's creating space, whether that for you means seeing someone one or two less times a week, mm-hmm. like just creating space and being sovereign in your own mind and just creating that way for your you to be your own person without someone giving you that 
sort of fear and negativity all the time. Which um, I think kind of brings it back like yeah. to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I sometimes I get super existential with clients, but I'm like, yeah. at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like even if we have a partner, mm-hmm. we all die alone. Yeah. Yeah. We and are so, our own being and no one, no one can fully ever know you or mm-hmm. fully ever understand you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to be at peace with the person that you are at the end of the day yes. and know that you you played the cards that you wanted to play like mm-hmm. there's if there's some some card in your head that's like i know i have to move to this city or i know i have to quit this job i know i have to leave this person that doesn't go away um that never went away for me sometimes um anxiety can mm-hmm. get in the way of listening to our intuition a hundred percent And anxiety is worry and it's fear mm-hmm and I like how you sort of connect the idea of like fear and resiliency too. Mm-hmm. That like for you, it's like fear is what keeps you stuck. Mm-hmm. It and does. When you are in your most resilient state, you are the most fearless. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't mean that the fear isn't there, mm-hmm. but it's almost like you're just looking it in the face and being like, "I need something different." Mm-hmm. Like maybe it'll be different and just as bad. Maybe it'll be different and a little bit better. But I don't know. But like anything but this you make a good point right it's like and fear is like a natural it's a good feeling like it's a good it keeps us sometimes the idea is that we shouldn't be so overwhelmed by the fear of something that it keeps us stuck Mm -hmm. that we should feel in control of the fear itself in the sense that like it's manageable like it's just enough fear to be like okay i know this is going to be difficult or like a change a move like it's not going to be easy Mm -hmm. but i know that i am stronger than the fear itself yeah, and know that I can like work with that. And if anything, it actually makes me like a stronger, better, more adaptable person. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, you you learn to, it, it's a really great feeling to know that you can not roll with the punches in a way of being trapped in someone else's chaos, but you can roll with your own punches and mm-hmm. you can adapt and adjust to the choices that you made and the changes that you knew you had to make to move forward from whatever you're going through. Um, and that's the process of trusting yourself. Yeah, yeah. Versus like being in those <laughs> relationships where we just give it up to the other person. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And like moving here was a huge um, victory of resilience because like a lot of people used to tell me not to move to Nashville and um, that like it they would, doubted you. And that, that They just were like, you're not going to do anything there and it's really hard there you're not gonna make any money all those sorts of things Um, but there also were a lot of people that would tell me to move here and I would get defensive and be like you don't know like it's hard there I'm I'm fine (laughs) really inside it would infuriate me when people would would say that because I knew deep down I wanted to Mm -hmm. and I wasn't listening to that but what was your worst fear about moving here that I would go broke which I did. <laughs> okay. Awesome. I and did. how'd you manage that? That's like, what I'm saying. I like, would go broke and fail and like not yeah. do anything. And the funny thing is, like, I moved here and I did go broke. Yeah. <laughs> and I did fail in yeah. a lot of things. And and I'm fine. How'd you manage that? And then like there were huge victories over that. Mm-hmm. Like because I was here, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't, like things got hard here. Yeah. And you surprised yourself. Yeah. And it was so much better because I knew I would take that hardship over the hardship of wondering what would have happened if I never came here and tried. Sometimes McKenna, (laughs) we're in situations where like, I always like put my hands equal to one another. It's like Mm -hmm. staying in something is just a hairline worse than not being in something or trying something new. Like they feel so equal. Uh huh. But we know that like that, and that's when we feel stuck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Being stuck is the absolute worst. Mm -hmm. But like trying something new or stepping into that fearlessness, it's like that's the cycle of like how we build trust with Mm ourselves. It raises the bar. Yeah. Because the worst fear was like, I go broke. I have no money. But like, and you did. And yeah. you were okay. <laughs> and I'm okay. And I figured it out. Mm-hmm. And my, it's like when you're, that is a freeing thing. When yeah, that's kind freedom. of the worst case scenario happens and you survive that too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, things are going to get hard again at some point. Yep. And 
it's not that you're you're less feel fearful of it because you know that you've made it through before yep. and um it's a good feeling yeah it is a good feeling yeah. i i feel more sort of stable about when things are like really exciting and good now mm-hmm. um because i know like there will be dips in sort of <laughs> the highs yeah. of of this lifestyle and then when things are low again i know they'll get better that's harder <laughs> like yeah. just knowing that things will get better mm-hmm. when they're feeling when there's when there's no sign of it improving Mm. um but when you've done that multiple times and it was of your own accord you you just start to have this inner trust Mm. in yourself and what does that feel like if it feels good and how does it affect your music um i don't i i haven't really observed how it affects my music yet Mm. um it probably does in just ways that i'm not (laughs) even aware of Mm -hmm. but i think just overall having a trust in yourself makes you more likely to not um, be swayed by people and things like the more the more experience you have the more you know what is who and what and who is worth listening to Mm. and um, you just start to not filter your creativity or your thoughts or who you are through any sort of lens Mm -hmm. there's and, and that's probably not totally realistic to be like there's no filter um because there always is some sort of awareness of like you know you can't you can't be every bit of yourself in every situation but um you learn to just trust that you know what's right yeah deep down for yourself yeah uh my like definition of trauma that i use a lot Mm -hmm. or it is the way that i like work is normal reaction to abnormal event Mm -hmm. meaning it is not typically normal it is not normal to grow up in a home where there is potential like narcissism or Mm -hmm. substance use or Mm -hmm. conflict abuse Mm -hmm. physical emotional verbal Mm -hmm. when you experience that what comes from that Mm -hmm. is self-doubt fear Mm -hmm. uh, what else depression anxiety um difficulty taking risks impacts your self-esteem all those things Mm -hmm. don't feel very good Mm -mm. but they are normal because what you experienced was not normal or typical right and it is up to you mckenna and Mm -hmm. it's almost this like you know we don't raise our hand and say like i want trauma to happen to me like it was nothing that you asked for yeah but yet it is your burden to carry yeah and that's a lot for someone yeah so i offer this like to always be mindful of like that self-compassion piece yeah because what you went through was like (laughs) It's not your fault. Yeah. It existed before you came into this world. And I'm mindful that your parents did the best that they could. Yeah. Right? With what was given to them by the generation before them. Mm-hmm. Right? And the fact that you are willing to do this kind of work or, like, heal or make better choices for yourself and just sort of, like, connect to that intuition is huge. Yeah. Because a lot of people you. don't choose to do that. Yeah. I, I hope that more people know that that's possible. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's my hope with and this song yeah <laughs> and it's so human too for you to sort of share like i mean i go i have these like split parts of myself that is like so critical and it's so like i doubt myself and it's critical and i think like mm-hmm. what's the point of doing this and i'm not good enough and mm-hmm. i imagine there's a human part of that and then there's a deeper part of that that's rooted in your childhood and your experience Mm-hmm. yeah and that's it's harder to come out of that because of that it's, it it's harder for like the average person who didn't experience that they'd have self-doubt or but it would be a little bit harder for them yeah and your ability to like in spite of that like push through and mm-hmm. oscillate onto that other side which is like no i'm like awesome and like <laughs> i i know i have so much to offer and to sing and to do and this is mm-hmm. the epitome of like who i am when i'm a singer mm-hmm. and a singer songwriter and connecting to people in music yeah that's real it's it's such a funny line because a part of of being an artist is you really have to believe in what you're saying Mm -hmm. and so many artists are very doubtful of them and critical of themselves and some of that is helpful but a lot of it isn't and like it's what's helpful what's not helpful it's helpful to acknowledge ways that you can improve your craft and ways that you can reach people in a more like sophisticated or authentic way but 
if you're just criticizing the very essence of your own personality and the way that you are and just your own being as a whole, like when it gets very person, when you get very personal with yourself, it's like you can only be you. Mm. And that's like what makes everyone love every successful artist ever is they're just very them. Mm -hmm. And so when you start attacking what you are just as a whole mm -hmm. and doubting that, then that holds you back. Yeah. And that makes you write worse songs. And it's just not helpful. <laughs> and it's not. It's not productive for anyone. I think sometimes we teeter-totter too as artists. Sometimes like the bigger your persona and there is an aspect of like wanting to have that uh, like um, confidence or... Um, mm -hmm. What's the term I'm looking for? Um, sort of like putting on the mask or, mm -hmm. uh, and that's good because like sometimes that can help us kind of separate or get distance or sort of like operate from this relatable kind of place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we also want to like, in a way, be humble and kind of true to who we are and yeah. figuring out what that line is can be hard. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. It's a funny line. When people, when you perform the Apple and people tell mm -hmm. you that that song really touches them, mm -hmm. how does it make you feel? Makes me feel... First off, sorry that they also mm. had experience an experience that would make them resonate with it. Mm -hmm. But it does feel good to know that there's like a common thread in a lot of people's lives. Um, mm -hmm. Even if they didn't have like, you know, parents that were volatile with each other and divorced or like somebody in the family that drank and... Uh, they didn't have those exact experiences. That I think the song leaves room for everyone to kind of feel like they can do different than their parents. Yeah. And um, I hope I hope that you know more people find that message in it that it doesn't have to continue. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of what I, I love, kind of shifting the typical metaphor. That's like, what if we mm -hmm. don't want to, like, want to be the same? Yeah. What if we want to be different? Mm -hmm. What if we want some, like, it's not that we don't want to be in that relationship at all with the tree. We just want to be our own apple. Yeah. And figure yeah. out the distance <laughs> that we want to be, right? Yeah. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And we don't pick those roots. We don't. But we still grow from that tree. Yep. <laughs> so it, how do we figure out how to fall yeah. in the right space, in the right place? Mm -hmm. and still connect to our roots in a certain way to honor that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you understand it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you very much for being not just my first guest on the show, I but know. just like it's so <laughs> special for me. Um, and again, just like you being here and being so transparent and authentic mm -hmm. and willing to go into these spaces and places that I know are not easy to talk about, or maybe you haven't talked about them before, nonetheless, like with someone that you don't know. So your bravery, McKenna, is incredible. Thank you. And you I are so you, sweet. <laughs> I thank you for being here. And as I said, I, for me personally, this song is just, if I could have the perfect song to reflect when I zoom out, like you said, those mm -hmm. The experience of trauma is emotional pain. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter like what it is. It can be so many different things. It's relative. In fact, I don't even usually care what it is. Yeah. As long as it sort of shifts that emotional, spiritual, or physical state after you experience it. Totally. So for you to offer this beautiful song to help us kind of zoom out mm -hmm. is such a gift. Um, so I want to end with two questions for you mm -hmm. that I'm going to ask everyone that comes on this podcast. So mm -hmm. first is, who would you want to hear talk about their song? If you could pick one song and one artist, someone to come on here, perform their song like you and talk about how mm -hmm. it came to be um, yeah. and their kind of mental health experience around that song, who Ooh. would it be? I would pick Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, she has a song called Chinese Satellite that I love a lot. And there's there's all these theories on online of people explaining like what they think it could be about and I think I know what it's about but I would she's hilarious too and she's so yeah. interesting I would love to hear her talk about that. What do you think it's about? I think it's about it's going back to the the spiritual thing. I think it's about just like struggling with that belief in God. Mm. Um it's really really a great song. Cool. So, I love that. Okay. Yeah. And the second <laughs> is if you found a magic genie lamp and uh -huh. you had three wishes. <laughs> Can't ask for more wishes, but what yeah. would you wish for? Um, I think as a selfish wish, I, I would wish that like at the end of my life, I felt like I really created something great and, and that a lot of people 
were helped by and, and that they loved and that I created something long lasting. Like at the end of my life, I just want to be creatively fulfilled. And, um, why is that selfish? Uh, <laughs> because it's just me. I'm just one person. And there's so many people that are trying to, to be a creative and to create something great. Um, I don't think but, it's selfish, just yeah. so you know. <laughs> good, good. In fact, I think it's quite selfless, yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I That's my wish for me. Mm. And my wish for just the world in general is that everyone would have that feeling that at, that they feel they don't have regret at the end of their life and that they feel like they were fulfilled and that they did the best that they could. Like if, if everyone was at peace... Um, my third wish <laughs> could be anything. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. I would wish that people didn't get ill. Like, there's mm-hmm. no reason for that. Yeah. What good what what good does that do? Mm-hmm. Why is that a thing? <laughs> it's a good one. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mind of a Song. Please hit subscribe to be the first to listen to future episodes and rate and review us. Be sure to follow us on social media at Mind of a Song Podcast for behind the scenes footage of our episodes and to learn more about the podcast, myself and our guest today. The views, information, or opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the individuals involved and by no means represent absolute facts. Opinions expressed by the host and guests can change at any time. Where guests appear on this podcast, the views of those guests are solely their views and the company does not accept responsibility for them. Such views are the views of guests and not the company. Meg Behrman PLLC provides the podcast, including any references, links, or other knowledge resources for information purposes only. They do not provide any medical or professional advice on the podcast. Anything said should not be taken as a replacement for medical, clinical, professional advice, diagnosis, or medical intervention. If you take any action or inaction as a result of any of the content you consume on this podcast, this is based solely on your decision and Meg Behrman PLLC cannot be held liable for any of the consequences of such action or inaction. Accessing or using this podcast does not create a therapist-patient relationship between you and Meg Behrman PLLC. Nothing about this podcast is intended to establish a therapist-patient relationship to replace the services of a trained therapist, doctor, or health professional, or otherwise to substitute for professional mental health, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.